0: Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I have been a bit quiet on the podcasting front and you know what it is, it's basically that um, I, you know, when the main thing that's happening in the Star Wars galaxy at the moment is, of course, the Bad Batch and i like the bad Met, bad batch very much um but it's it's not the kind of thing that makes me feel like i got to jump on the mic after every episode and talk about it um so that's one reason and i think that um i really you know i try not to overwatch the films um can be hard to find a balance uh, i kind of you know i i i i will always feel like watching star wars but i'm i'm also aware that if i w- watch them too often that the the kind of the impact will be lessened to some degree i think and um it's a bit more fun to give it at least you know 6 months or something between uh, viewing sometimes um yeah so i guess i haven't been having so many uh star wars thoughts and feelings to talk about really um but uh i am kind of in the mood just to talk so let's see how much star wars there is or even how much other stuff there is so um but let's start with the bad batch uh, i think it's it's going really well um again like uh, the, the the this kind of um i guess you call it the a team setup of the main characters along with omega yeah, they're all really likable. I thought that uh, Ryloth two episode arc was really well done. Again, I think it's just exciting to see, like, uh, what what it was like um, for different systems as their Republic evo- You know, changed over to the Empire. Uh, we've seen a separatist planet go through that, and now we're seeing a, uh, a Republic, uh, planet go through that, and it was cool, I, like, uh, I thought it was good, um, you know, seeing Hera and Chopper back, Cham Sindula, that was all, this, yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, the most recent episode, uh, was, I don't know, like, I've said it before, i I think if you're watching Star Wars cartoons, you can't expect every single episode to be some, you know, big earth-shaking piece of um, lore or, you know, like... At the day, it is a Star Wars cartoon, so there's going to be episodes that are just there for, you know, fun. And, uh, yeah, this this, this week... This week's episode, if if you had to call something filler, this probably would have been it. Now, sometimes these quote-unquote filler episodes end up being kind of um, important in the long run. But, uh, yeah, this is, I think, the last bunch of, of episodes leading up to this one have been a lot more meaty. Uh, so I've been enjoying that. Yeah, I don't know, let's... I think it's it's... Yeah, it's going it's going well. Um since you know at, at the end of the Clone Wars, you get to see uh Vader and a bunch of other Imperial designs in that Clone Wars style. You see probe droids, you see uh snowtroopers and stuff, and um it makes me think that. It's possible that the, you know, the plan for the Bad Batch is that we will see that entire, um, process going, you know, switching over from clones to stormtroopers, and that's pretty exciting. And I think, um, as I've said before, you know, because the OT is my favorite era, that if it's those kind of designs, um... And, uh, you know, in that good Clone Wars quality, because, of course, we saw that stuff in Rebels, but, you know, unfortunately, the Rebels having the lower budget that it had, to me, it's it never really, like, just in terms of seeing classic Star Wars designs, it never really quite hit the mark for me, I would say, but uh, it was still, I I liked the show, you know, it was fine, but, uh, you yeah. know uh obviously we're all everyone you know the whole Star Wars fandom is basically just really waiting for things to kick off again in the live action arena i heard some people kind of like on on another pod, podcast having a bit of a laugh about how like we've had 3 mcu shows already And only one live action Star Wars show and how the MCU is kind of leaving Star Wars in the dust. I I kind of agree in a way, but it's also like, I mean, that's three seasons, three shows, one season each, right? And we've had two seasons of The Mandalorian. And so it's not that big of a difference, really. Um, Yeah, but just... Just wait. Once the uh, once the floodgates open, it's gonna be own like Michelle Kwong, as Dixie Dave used to say. It used to say, <laughs> man, I miss Dixie Dave. Anyone out there know who that is? So, uh, Dixie Dave is uh, known uh, as the leader of the band Weed Eater, and um, my first ever proper tour was when of course uh with church of misery and we were on tour with an with an american band called Sourvane. and at that time dixie dave was was uh kind of filling in on bass i think him and t-roy are cousins or something um or someone yeah anyway someone is someone's nephew i think but um Yeah, it was, I mean, it was mind-blowingly exciting, of course, to be on my first ever tour. And to be touring in Europe, I mean, like, still now, when I look back on that tour, it's still, like, it's very sparkly in my memory. Um, I remember that, you know, we arrived in London and we... um, uh, Chris who booked the tour took us to a Kailisa Kailisa I don't know how to say it show at the Underworld in Camden and said like oh the Salvein guys are going to be there so you can like meet them before the tour starts tomorrow so okay that sounds nice so we went to the show and we we <laughs> we met the Salvein guys and Dixie Dave was just like, soaring at peak Dixie Daveness, I just saw him, like... He would just walk straight in front of, like, cars. Or like, like cars coming down the street. He would just walk straight in front of them on purpose and force them to slam on the brakes. <laughs> and I, I saw him, like... There was some person in a, like, in a telephone booth. And, um... I just saw like Dixie Dave just like went up to the telephone booth and just went like, like like smashing his hands on the on the glass and terrifying the person inside you know and I remember thinking oh my god we have made a terrible terrible mistake here <laughs> are you serious we're going to be in a van for 3 weeks with these guys Oh, no. You know, I just thought, like, this is going to be a horror show. And, um, you know, we all, we all, you know, went our separate ways. And then the next morning we uh, met up to start the tour. And the drugs and or alcohol had worn off. And uh, Dixie came up, hey there, nice to meet you, you know. And uh was super cool, you know. And um we actually ended up forming this really close bond all of us you know so T-Roy Dixie Clyde and uh Sleepy you know like I still feel really grateful for that tour and how much fun it was and even though there was like a lot of fuck-ups and whatnot (laughs) um it was an amazing time yeah so uh yeah, Dixie had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good sayings, and it's own like Michelle Kwan was one of them. Yeah, all right. What else has been going on in Star Wars? Not much, really. I mean, we're getting like you know leaks or set photos and stuff from Andor from the Kenobi series. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be cool. I'm pumped for Andor, man. I think there's gonna be heaps of cool. Really cool stuff in it. It's gonna be exciting. Um, anything else in Star Wars? Not really. I guess for me personally, I have unfortunately experienced another total collapse in my back prob- with my back problem, like, um, uh, which is you know not much fun. <laughs> I'm staying positive, don't worry. Um, but uh pretty sad at the same time. And I have to say one thing I really miss is going out in the forest with my lightsaber. Again, like I feel like I I've, I'm a bit embarrassed in a way, you know, like being a middle-aged man often in costume playing out, you know, in the forest or Park at one in the morning with a lightsaber and whatnot, but it's um you gotta you gotta be who you are, don't you? And you gotta do what you really like. And um, man, I have so much fun doing it, um, which is nice, you know, because. Neo Pixel profi board lightsaber, light lightsabers are not cheap, of course. So there was every chance that I would get it. Turn it on twice, go cue, and then put it in the corner and never touch it again. Uh, but that hasn't happened. I've been really enjoying myself. So, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for my back improving as quickly as possible so I can get back to being obi Wan Kenobi out in the forest. All right. So that's it really. I got not much else to talk about. Uh but I think there's been, you know, been, I'm still making my way through the um the making of Return of the Jedi and um there have been some gold moments. So we're going to check that out. Here we go. All right. Uh, I I I said I had no no other other no other Star Wars things that I could think of to talk about. But then I remembered, a thing or two. Um, yeah, I, so I actually bought a a sewing machine. Thanks for the help, Amanda. Um, I yeah, I just there were some things I wanted to be able to fix or whatever. Uh, but I also wanted. You know, the ability to do some stuff with the uh, with Star Wars costumes. And um, uh, something that I really wanted to make... You know, I think I've talked before. I have basically three costumes that I am putting together. One of them is a kind of... Uh, there's like two Jedi costumes. One more like a... One that... Yeah, so there's four, basically. Anyway, one of them is based very much on Episode 4. Shorty robe, Luke. Um, Although it's not at all like supposed to be a an exact uh, replica of it. Um, But uh, so for that look, I really wanted what are called putties, which are those leg wraps that you see a lot of the time in Star Wars. Um, Now, Luke's putties in Episode Four are like more or less the same kind of dirty off-white as the rest of his outfit um i i can't even remember why but i i just felt like i wanted. yeah of course okay i do know why because um i got these great suede boots that looked perfect i thought for that outfit and they were a brown color so i thought the 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 putties should be that color and um amanda gave me good advice she said um Fabric is expensive, suede is very expensive. Uh, So, what you can do is just look for like secondhand suede pants or whatever and cut them up. And I did that and I found a pair of suede pants for like three bucks. So, score. Um, So, I did it. I, you know, I looked up, uh, you know, how long and wide they should be and I cut those suede pants up with my new good scissors. I've got a pair of good scissors now. How about that? Um my mum's were purple, mine are black. Very proud. Um, anyway, so yeah, my first little project with my new new my new old sewing machine it was to sew together these strips of suede that I cut from the pants. Um this is my first time doing anything like this, so of course I was very much prepared for it to go to go completely wrong. Uh, but I sewed it all together. It wasn't all that straight, but that's all right because, um, they're just like leg wraps and also, you know, unless you're doing Imperial uniforms and stuff, things can be wonky in Star Wars. It's part of the look. Now, uh, yeah. So finally I finished them and, uh, you know, the big, the moment of truth, I tried wrapping them, um... And it they actually worked awesomely. They they look great. They look uh, almost exactly the way I wanted. One thing is that because I had to stitch together these strips instead of instead of it being one like long unbroken strip, um, it you know I had to kind of sew it together. So that meant you had these kind of this kind of like uh, on the on the joins you have this like kind of extra suede, obviously. Um, on the inside of the uh, the stitching, so the the right way to wrap a putty is to at one point to start folding it back on it on its on itself, that um, that allows you to deal with the um, you know the shape of your calf muscle basically, and not have it all just unravel or whatever. Uh, so that means that the kind of the quote unquote inside of my Putties end up on the outside on that section, which looks a bit messy. Um, but as I said, um, a bit of messiness in Star Wars ain't so bad. And once I had them on and I walked around, they didn't fall down, which was also pretty uh, impressive and unexpected. And um, they look basically exactly like how I wanted them to. So that was really... Um, that made me happy. Um, so yeah, once I'm back on my feet, I will hopefully be doing a bit more fun with costumes and um, yeah, chuck some photos up. Um, the other thing is, of course, visions. So we got a you know a quote unquote special look at uh, at visions, um, which is the project where uh, they've they've asked I think nine. Uh, anime studios from Japan to do their take on Star Wars basically Um, and what you need to know basically is that they gave them total free reign the stories are not canon so um, it's almost exclusively characters that we have never met before and it's not tied into the the overall story properly um It's interesting because, you know, we didn't see that much. A lot of drawings actually, not super much actual animation. But uh, it looks like each of the studios are going for a pretty different look. Um, I have to say, I was expecting something pretty different. I really thought... So there's a famous um, fan-made animated short on YouTube called... X Wing, I th- uh, no Tie Fighter. I think is what is what it's called, and it's basically a great little um, like dogfight short, uh, mostly from the perspective of TIE, Tie of the Empire, and it's done in a more like '80s like Robotech kind of visual style, and um, it kicks total ass. It's amazing and. Um, I kind of thought that it that these animated shorts were going to be more in that vein um where you could if they weren't animated you could and if they were live action or whatever you could like kind of put, you know they they would still be total star wars um but uh, from what we've seen it's really different you know like there's like samurai style did for the Japanese listeners listeners out there kind of uh approach where the you know there are Jedi and Sith who uh, look kind of like samurai there's an astro boy inspired one there's one where the main character is this kind of like rabbit girl and whatever it's it is very anime um so i think i was hoping a little bit more for something where it was it had a bit more of that like serious hard edge to it Um, but it's a bit more playful and a bit more, um, yeah, a big, a pretty big step away from what we know as Star Wars. Uh, having said that, I'm still pumped for it. I think it's going to be cool. Um, there is a Tyne book coming out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's based off one of the shorts. Um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. I'll be into that, I think. So yeah, I'm I'm very optimistic about it. But um, even though it, it isn't quite what I had in mind. But um, yeah, I still think it's going to be cool. Speaking of animation. I've been watching a few more episodes of Love, Death and Robots. The animated short collection on Netflix. It's very like dystopian, dark, violent kind of stuff. Um, and I also watched... A little bit of that Resident Evil computer animated show I can't remember is it thirty minutes long or something anyway um love death and robots you know they all have each one has a different look to it um, but everything looks really high quality everything looks expensive, and I just watched one i can't I've forgotten the name of it now where um humanity have has discovered how to be immortal and so children have become illegal because you know people are not dying so there's not enough room for to add any more to the to, to the planet and it's uh the the style of animation is a kind of um like a like a, a uh kind of uh, yeah real uh, kind of photoreal approach so it, they've kind of tried to make it look as much like a live-action film as possible. So of course that can't be cheap. There's a mega ton of detail in every shot, um, and it was uh, it, it was killer. I loved it. Pretty dark and pretty disturbing, but it was a great. It was great. I loved it, and it just made me think like. The quality of animation on The Bad Batch is fantastic, but it is still this like very stylized look. People look pretty Thunderbirds-ish still, I would say. Um, I, like in some ways I feel like, okay, Netflix, Netflix probably has at this point still like double the number of subscribers that Disney Plus has, right? Disney Plus, I think, has a good chance of catching Netflix. Like, the, the launch has gone way better than they expected. So, I think the budget's going to be there for whatever they want to do. But um, it is a little bit hard in some ways to watch these, these un- incredibly expensive looking animated shorts that are not con- tied to any... None of them are tied to the biggest entertainment property on the planet. And yet they look as good as they do. So I feel a little bit like... Where's the Star Wars version of this? You know? Let's... Let's get on it. You know? Like, I, I like the Bad Batch and I like the Clone Wars and stuff. But... The... The level of the quality level of this love death and robots series it really makes me think that um like a much more adult kind of like photo real animated series is absolutely doable for star wars and of course, the benefit of that is that i mean animation is not cheap but it is it is cheaper than live action. And, um, as far as I know, and one thing uh, that you can do when you do animation is that you can expand the, um, the scope visually of what you're doing. Like when you watch like the, uh, the Clone Wars, you see these like massive space battles and huge like cities and big battle scenes and all sorts of stuff, you know, and it's all stuff that the Mandalorian, for example, has definitely stayed away from to this up to this point. Um so I just think like if you did a like a, a, a photo reel type animated show, you could really do big stories with a big uh, yeah, a larger scope than You can, at present, with the live action stuff. The other other benefit is that you can set it in any time period and put whoever you want in it. Um, You could go right in the OT period, maybe between Empire and Jedi, for example. Do like a Shadows of the Empire thing or whatever, and you just get voice actors to come in and do the voices, and bam, you've got your classic characters. So, um, I, I guess, you know, like Disney plus is still new. I mean, Disney's ownership of Lucasfilm is still, we're only eight years into that. Um, so we're really only just at the beginning of all this. So, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more fun stuff to come, but, uh, anyway, those are two things I wanted to talk about. Now let's get into these fun points that I've been reading in, uh, J.W. Rinsler's incredible The Making of Return of the Jedi. Um, All right. Here comes the first one. Now, I mentioned that I'm battling back issues as I have been doing for the past 25 years. (laughs) So, this little story made me feel a bit less alone. Are you ready? They are talking about filming the scene where the Ewoks capture. Han, Luke and Chewie, and the droids. Here we go. It wasn't particularly comfortable for Hamill or Ford either, hanging by their wrists and ankles from poles. Quote, Harrison is terrific, what I call a trooper, says Marquand. He really is. If he's going to do a movie, then he's going to be there 100%. In fact, the poor guy has got a slight back condition which makes it very hard for him to hang upside down for long periods of time. So I said, Well, hey, we'll, we'll put a bench under you for the closer shots and a cushion. And he said, No, I'm hanging here. I've got to look uncomfortable. I want to be uncomfortable. Whoa! So, nice to hear uh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Even the mighty... The legendary Harrison Ford has had his uh, run-ins with back pain. But it it is cool to hear him, you know. I'm supposed to be uncomfortable. If we make me comfortable, I'm not going to look uncomfortable. So, love the dedication. There's a cute little thing on the same page, a quote from Mark Hamill. Harrison's probably one of the best friends I've had in my life. And yet, I won't see him for months and months at a time, says Hamill. I don't feel like I have to be entertaining. One night, the two actors made, quote, massive tacos together, buying all imported ingredients. Isn't that sweet? I, I like the idea that, um. you know, that Harrison and, and Mark are good friends. It's good stuff. All right. Where's my next point? I have to tell you, trying to handle this bloody huge making of book while podcasting sideways on a sofa due to back problems—not as easy as it sounds. All right. Hmm. Oh, does anyone out there own these books? They are like a. T- it's basically like trying to read a ton of bricks. All right. This was an interesting thing. Um, When it comes to special effects, uh, of course, there are a lot of things that affect how difficult they are to pull off. Something that I did not uh, realize was the, um, how close the film is to real life affects how difficult it is for the special effects crew to sell the effect. So um part of the book deals with the fact that ILM was not just a um a company that did Star Wars special effects anymore that they were being hired out to other films which caused some issues actually due to you know there was only so much equipment to go around and whatnot but um this is um oh, this is Richard Edland talking. Um, and he's talking about uh, ILM's involvement with um, Poltergeist. Here we go. Poltergeist was extremely difficult as a visual effects project because it was a realistic movie happening in the house next door kind of thing. In modern times, Edland would explain. We didn't have the cloak of fantasy or romance that you had in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which got you over certain hurdles. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like... To me, like the difficulty of a special effect is more or less like how outlandish is it or how far away is it from something that can be created in real life. But the recognizability or normality of the environment that it's in actually has a big effect also on um, how difficult it is to do. I thought that was cool. All right, now sorry these these next bits are potentially a little bit on the long side of my bookmarks. oh no, okay, I had one more before we get to that one and just a moment. Yes, okay. This is about Alec Guinness and Ben Kenobi. So, have you ever thought to yourself that in uh, his scene on Dagobah that he looked a bit pasty? There is a reason for that. Um, Here we go. Guinness was supposed to have performed the day before, but had stayed home due to illness and was only a fraction better his first day. Quote, he arrived on the day on time with flu. Mark I continues. He was not well. I was really worried. But he said, no, 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 we'll do it. But I could hear it in the back of his head. A weird thing to say. I could hear it in the back of his head, and he did, and he didn't know his lines very well because he had been sick. Yeah. So, there you go. Next time you see Return of the Jedi, you can uh, think to yourself, Alec Guinness looks a bit ill because he is a bit ill. <laughs> anyway, still a great scene. Okay. So. This is a bit, a bit of a chunky bit. Okay. Excuse. Sorry, I'm going to read a chunk of this, this section right now. And it's partly because this is my favorite sequence in any film ever. It is George himself talking about the throne room scene. Luke, Vader, the Emperor. So, um, where shall we start from? Mm. Okay, yeah. It's really fun. Like, I mean, we've all seen it a thousand times. Um, but it's quite cool to hear George um, kind of lay it out and to... Kind of know that these all these like kind of perfect steps that that scene takes were all you know on purpose. Here we go, let's read, let's listen to George talking about this. Uh, In this final revision to the duel, Lucas worked out in his mind the emotional mechanics of the script as Luke, Vader, and the Emperor stage their Mexican standoff. Quote, the core of all this thing is that the Emperor is the Master and Vader is the Apprentice, Lucas would explain. He knows that if he gets into a laser fight with the Emperor, he won't win. He knows his son can't win. Neither of them can beat the Emperor. Together they might. In the first sequel, he reveals that when he says, together we can rule the universe. That's still his plot in Jedi. It's just that his son has said, no, I'm not going to do that, so that's a bit of a problem. Vader also knows that the Emperor is toying with Luke. He has been told by the Emperor, when he starts to strike me, you're going to have to take him out. If Vader doesn't block Luke's laser sword, the Emperor could just raise his hand, and that would be the end of it. Then Vader would be in trouble. Lord Vader, what happened to you? Did you not get your cue? So Vader knows what the Emperor is doing to the kid. Instead of Vader turning Luke to the dark side, maybe the Emperor can. Vader doesn't care who does it, because then father and son can unite. But Vader doesn't quite understand the Emperor's plot. The whole plot of the Emperor is to get Luke to turn to the dark side and become his apprentice by killing Vader. Vader doesn't quite understand that he's on the chopping block until he gets into that fight. He thinks that his job is to kill the kid. But of course he can't really kill the kid. And the Emperor knows that he can't really kill the kid. The Emperor is playing the two against each other to see which one wins. It's not until Luke cuts off his father's hand that it occurs to Vader what's going to happen here. He realizes, wait a minute, I've been set up. Then he also realizes that his son is what Vader was at one point when Luke's choice was his choice. His son refuses to kill him, and that is such a revelation to Vader. It reminds him of what he once was. So Vader is not powerful enough to kill the Emperor, but he does so in a very unexpected way. He does it not out of thinking or fear. He does it out of the super-energy of wanting to protect his son, out of compassion. Vader finally has compassion for his son and realizes that his life has been a sham. The Emperor uses the word friend a lot, and I thought he must think that that is the most despicable thing that a human being could do to form friendships, which is something that is completely alien to him. McDermott would say, Because he has spent his life destroying other people, so I just thought, I'll focus on that word and make it a hate word from the Emperor's point of view. Cool. Mm. But it's cool. It's cool to hear how they kind of mapped out that conflict between those three characters and that little point about Palpatine's disdain for such weaknesses as friendship. That was really cool. Mm. Yes, I really, man, I love that. All right, there was one more fun little point that I wanted to read from the book. And this is about Jabba's sail sail barge and the Sarlacc pit. (laughs) Have a listen to this. They're talking about the stuntmen and um, doing, you know, because you see a lot of, a lot of Jabba's uh, henchmen and Boba Fett end up in the Sarlacc pit. Uh, here we go. It was soon apparent that the action shots of creatures plunging into the Sarlacc pit were going to exact more than their fair share of injuries. The whole damn set was terrifying. A nightmare, says Markwand. It was a really frightening set. The first few days it was hilarious to see these hefty macho stunt guys all pussyfooting around with great harnesses on as they carefully hung themselves over the edge of the pit. They jumped into the sand vagina, Fisher would say, Carrie Fisher, referring to the Sarlacc pit. The first thing I ever heard anyone say on that set was Pauline Kale, notorious film critic for The New Yorker, is going to have a blast with that. I was the first guy to jump into the Sarlacc says Diamond. Always lead from the front. Later, as one went in, he'd have to be pulled out before the other one got in, and sometimes that was a comedy film unto itself. These are the things the public doesn't see. Oh, this book is so heavy. Hang on. Sorry, I'm not finished yet. Two stuntmen had been injured before a single camera had turned over. Colin Skeeping had uh, sprained his ankle and Frank Henson had a suspected fracture from a practice fall. On Wednesday, stuntmen Julius Leflore and Paul Weston were injured during a tumble into the pit when their harness cable snapped. Julius received stitches in his finger. Weston broke an ankle. Weston had his plaster cast signed by many of the cast and crew who added humorous quips such as Don't lose your sense of humor. Ha ha ha. This was filmed in Yuma. Uh, Everybody had to jump in, Bloom would say. All the English stuntmen were so macho. Okay, no problem. And three of them would jump in and they'd all break their ankles. It was incredible. All the stuntmen getting injured, Ruffman confirms. They just kept carting him away. Oh. It's funny, like, again, I mean, A gotta you got, you gotta give gratitude to these guys for <laughs> just doing this ridiculous stuff for our benefit but also i just think like this is the kind of stuff that you know if it was reported these days like you know like six stuntmen all injured on on one set you know it would be like this people would act like it was the end of the world very funny all right let's uh do some guess that sound <laughs> Let's press the button. What's going to happen? <laughs> that sounds like a snowspeeder to me. 108. Let's find out. I have to say, like uh, a while ago, I bought a um, vintage snowspeeder. Um, I put it next to my bed. I put two pilots in it. Of course, they are both Luke. <laughs> It doesn't matter, and um man, I enjoy that thing. It's not good to buy toys and then not enjoy' them. okay, uh, yep, yeah, I was right. That was the stone speeder. let's do it let's do another one okay, that is the droid uh getting um tortured in Jabba's dungeon for sure um and the weird thing is that that steam effect sounds just like Vader's breathing especially when he's dying at the end of Return of the Jedi yeah let's do another one this is number 170 Yes, that is that is like X wings and stuff. I guess maybe this is like the attack on the uh, on the Death Star. Let's find out. Where are we? 170. <laughs> Sorry, I know I should like try to I don't know edit these silences out, but I'm just you know I'm giving it to you raw, just real. Hard truth, you know. Huh. Ah, so this was about the... uh, Okay, this was one from the special edition. And it just says um, something about the Death Star. Let's see if I can translate it from Swedish. I would love to have this book in English, but... (laughs) Not readily available here. I think they sold a lot of copies of this, because you see it, like... going secondhand uh, on the, you know... Swedish eBay, quite often. All right, let's see if I can uh, translate this into English. When we went back and listened to the opening scene, uh, we were not very impressed by that. By it says uh, Ben Bert. We asked ourselves the question: What is it that everyone reacted to? We have to make it better than this. So, oh, then it's a bit difficult for me. Ah, okay, but I guess they were talking about yeah the special edition s- sound mixes and whatnot. That is cool. All right, let's keep going up the numbers and see where we, maybe we'll end up in the prequels or something. Let's see what this is. Two oh two. Huh. I mean, that sounded like a lightsaber. But then that other sound, was that one of those, like, staps? Do you know what a stap is? It's one of those things that were, you know, it's like the gun platform, basically. It looks like a, it's almost like a speeder bike, but standing on end. Huh, apparently that was Darth Maul's lightsaber. I was wrong. Let's have a listen again. That's why I got confused. I, th- I think there's some blaster shots from um, whatever. I don't know. But it's definitely a, an episode one blaster sound. Yeah, nice. All right. Let's jump in. I think tonight might be the night that we actually finish our uh, rewatch and commentary of Solo. Let's find out. Yep. I think we can do it. There's... I think this might be it. I mean, there's a bunch of just action-y stuff, I guess. Ah! 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 See? Star was fun for everyone, especially me. We just kicked off with a shot of... Uh... Memphis Nest. Looking... cool. I like this standoff here. See? I gotta say again. People underestimate... How cool Beckett looks with guns is, it's, people need to appreciate that more. He just like, he's got, he's got good gun slinging skills. Love it. Uh, and I like his jacket. Hmm. It's got the same kind of gun belt that, you, of course, you see Han. Adopt. Yes. Here we go. B- bit of bifo with Vos, Kira and Han. Man, it's nice because I, podca- I haven't podcasted for a while. I haven't seen any uh, shots from this movie for a while. Damn, that deal 44. Let me tell you a quick story while these dudes are talking and shooting. Oh, So, Okay as part of my episode 4ish jedi outfit i wanted to chuck a uh i don't know like <laughs> i'm in two minds like basically jedi should not carry blasters i i i think you know um part of their um expertise and their dedication to peace to me means that um It should be about the lightsaber and nothing else. Having said that, Luke, as a young apprentice, um, he walks around with the blaster and the lightsaber clipped to the belt. Looks super cool. Ray rocks, you know, rocks the blaster. And the lightsaber on the on on the belt looks awesome. So I just feel like you know in that kind of like, uh, I, my idea of Jedi is often that the, it's not this kind of like boring, nerdy kind of uh, stiff religious cult so much as it is this like wandering warrior monk thing, which is I guess not, doesn't sound that different but that it's like um but yeah there's a bit bit more grit to them so i'm i'm not against the idea that that jedi might have a blaster on them because sometimes you see like you see moments and and you go like the lightsaber you know it's usually like the best option or whatever but it's also like it might be nice to have a blaster sometimes. You know what I mean? Anyway, so I bought this DL-44 replica of Tradera. I guess I've mentioned it before. Uh, yep, it's good. It's not like top of the line, but it it's, it looks good. So, of course, I thought to myself, can't have a DL-44 without a low-slung holster to put it in. So I jumped on Etsy, ordered uh, ordered one, it's not the Han Solo holster and belt um, because I mean I love that I would like to own something like that at some point, but I'm not dressing up like Han. And to me, that that look is totally Han Solo. Um, so I got a holster that is it's, uh, yeah, it's much simpler. But um, I just feel like it's gonna really work because to me, like of course, the DL forty four is very much like a you think of Han when you see it, but it's also like, I mean, it's not like only one existed in the whole galaxy. I guess there were thousands of them. So why, why not? Why can't I have one? And to me, it's by far like the the coolest looking blaster in Star Wars. So I thought that holster will be a good option for that outfit. And just to, just to wear around the house, you know, maybe want to wear just a, the L44 on my leg as I'm washing the dishes or something. Might want to pull that blaster out, you know. Anyway, ah, oh, okay. I'll get back to. It. Stay tuned for more of the that story. We're watching the mall scene. Yes. This was bonkers, man. As soon as I saw those legs and heard that voice, I was like, "Holy, sh- is this? Is it Darth Mall?" Not everybody loved this, but in general, I think the reaction was was positive, and I think it's awesome because it's like it. Makes total sense because we know that Maul was involved with the underworld at this time. Um, it's one of those like, one of those reveals that was completely unpredictable, but makes complete sense, which is perfect, I would say. And again, or you cunts who didn't go see it in the cinema and caused it not to make enough money for it to get a sequel. Go to your room and think about what you've done or haven't done. Because seriously, I mean, the Kira and Maul story on the big screen would have been sick. Yeah. Uh, Maul looks a lot older and a bit sickly in this, but I don't hate it. It's cool. Um, But I, I like this thi- this thing that... Oh, okay... Now we've got the shootout between um, Han and Beckett. Han has finally outsmarted this guy. Finally been a step ahead. Great. I love this Han. Like... Just bring him back, it, Lucasfilm. Come here. on, man! I love the the costume design in this movie. You know hmm, like you. You it's like weird. You. Like I I look at my DL forty four on my uh, on my. B- oh, there it goes Han shot first. Yeah, I just like it, like, to me, it's, I mean, it it is an obvious reference to that, but it's also, like, it doesn't, I mean, they could have gone super awful cheesy and just been like, bam, well, you know me, I always shoot first, or some horrible shit like that, and they didn't do that, so, Mm. it's good. And it's I like that you know Han did have a mentor, but he was a bit of a of a shitty guy, you know, which works for for what we know of Han okay, and now we see like Han thinks he's going back to hook up with Kira and sees her take off in Dryden Voss's yacht if he thinks he's being betrayed, you know, but this is the thing Kira is saving Han in this moment because. He, she knows that as soon as Mole and Crimson Dawn finds out what Han and Chewie did, they're coming after him. They they'll be dead, you know. So by just pretending that he was never there and getting away, you know, just leaving him there, like she's actually saving his life, and that's awesome. This beautiful shot of Han and Chewie standing next to each other. Dude, give me more of these guys. Hmm. Hmm. Nice bit of score there. Yeah. Look at this. It's weird. That's not Edrio tu- two tubes. It's something other two tubes. We've got Weasel. Amphus Ness holding hands with that cute little kid. Come on. This is Star Wars royalty, this movie. I'm telling you. That's what I'm saying. It's so nice, like, to watch these films that I've seen 8 billion times in sections like this. Because usually by this point, you're at the end of a two-hour stretch of fun and excitement. And these kind of quiet... Moments are, you know, you're just kind of like gliding along at this point, and probably not paying a ton of attention, because this is we're kind of in the epilogue stage of the film, you know. Um. But when you watch it in sections, you're like, you're you're kind of, your view is fresh, so I'm like, in a way, f- seeing. It's having more impact on me, almost these quiet epilogue scenes. Look at her! Oh my God, she's so good. I mean, she was she was cool in Falcon in the Winter Soldier, but I don't think she was even half as cool as she is as emphasis Nest. That Star Wars bias, I guess. And here we go. This. Gold, gold ending scene. I just thought, like, this is a perfect way to end this. We've got Lando playing cards somewhere or other. Again, the uh, the surrounding characters look incredible. Han's just playing Lando. Ah, oh, I love it. Lando's outfit. Look, at, look at this. Mm -mm. Here we get to see, see, in that first Sabacc game, we thought, this is how Han gets the Falcon, but it was a fake out, it was a good one. And now we've got, like, Han knows what, uh, what Lando's sketchy moves are. (laughs) <laughs> look at this Oh, I'm ready to watch this movie again Look at That's a cool looking Twi'lek on his right I've never really noticed her before Sometimes Twi'leks I think can Look a bit cartoonish But uh, this one is, has like This kind of like Light kind of skin tone Rather than the greens and the blues and stuff. So, yeah, it kind of looks cool. I love this look. Orlando's <laughs> like, I'm p- pretty smooth, man. Look at my move. In your face! Han Solo wins. You know, and then we have this lovely little scene of them. Taken off in the Falcon together. Man, he does Han like he does Han so well, and I know it. He doesn't have the same voice, and he's not tall enough, but he's he's bloody good. Yes, got the classic Star Wars theme to end it. Fantastic. So, that's that. That solo. I love it. I just think, for... I mean, yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, I'm not, like, blown away, but it's good. And it just has grown and grown and grown for me. I love it so much. Uh, Okay, back to my story. So... Yeah, the the holster gets sent from the US. And you know you can track packages, right? It comes into the country. I get the classic uh, message from Post Nord saying it's like, okay, you got to pay your tax on this item. And of course, you don't want to pay the tax on the item, but you just suck it up and pay it. Um, so I pay the tax on the item. Uh, four or five days later, I'm like, okay, I haven't heard anything... Since then, I'll just um, check the Post Nord app to see where it's at, and it's it still says stuck in uh, stopped in um, in uh, customs. I was like, what? Why would it still be stopped in customs when I paid the tax on it like four or five days ago? That's really weird. So I called. Post and they told me, Oh um yeah, uh, there was a problem there, there wasn't enough information written on the customs form under contents, so it got sent back <laughs> what are you what are you serious and, he, uh, and they said, yeah I oh my god! So like I hung up and I messaged the guy and I asked him like, "Do you remember what you wrote under there?" And he said, "I wrote what I always write, which is leather pouch." And I was like, "Well, that's enough information." So I called him back and they said, "Yeah, probably a mistake on our end actually. So you can lodge a complaint, or actually he has to release really since he's the one who sent it and blah blah blah." Oh, so I don't know. According to the tracking and stuff, it's still in Sweden, which I guess it wouldn't be. I think that's probably just a glitch. But um, ugh, really annoying. All right, but folks, thanks for listening. Um, check out the Instagram page if you just want some uh, nice Star Wars in your eyeballs every day. Um I am putting videos of myself swinging lightsabers around. <laughs> Again, I feel a bit embarrassed, but I can't stop myself. So that's it. All right. Um looking forward to the next 3 episodes of The Bad Batch. Um probably we'll get some, you know, end of the season is always uh, pretty exciting, so let's see what happens. Um, I guess they will be, there will be an announcement of a second season pretty soon after that last episode airs. Um, Alright, get in touch if you want. You'll know where to find me. Thanks for listening. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me.